Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. All right. This is technically number three in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The first one was the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, which was last Sunday. Then Wednesday, uh, which the video is now up from Wednesday, um, which is not normally part of our series, but I'm going to make them part of this series because Wednesday night is going to be our practical application. It's going to be our hands-on. And this past Wednesday, we walked through an exercise touching the main areas of life like uh, physical health, mental health, relationships, finances, career, purpose, calling, the the big umbrella areas of life that we all have, you know, how to specifically walk through the process of allowing the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus to you in each of those areas. So that's what we did on this past Wednesday. And that exercise, we went, so we started a little bit slow and then we had to speed up for time's sake. But there are different questions that I brought into each bigger category. But each, and I explain it in the video, each question could be applied. But the purpose of it was this You have the Holy Spirit living within you. Say, God lives in me. You know, if, if you said yes to Jesus, if you've made him your Lord, if you're born again, whatever, there's like, there's actually a bunch of different ways that the scripture describes what happens to you. You go from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. That spiritual circumcision performed on you without hands happens where he removes the body of sin and puts in his own spirit, you know, being raised to newness of life. All of that talking about this thing. Once you were dead, now you're alive. That whole process, in that process, God puts His Spirit within you. And that Spirit seals you for the day of salvation. That Spirit seals you and promises the gift of eternal life. And that Spirit is like a seed that God plants into you that then yields a crop and yields a harvest. And the harvest is you being transformed and bringing glory to His name as a child reflecting what His Spirit does through a person. The other thing is the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the blessings that come out of you because of the seed that God planted in you, and then His garden of life grows in you to be a blessing to the entire world. That's what we're talking about. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will do that through you is testify of Jesus to you. So we went through that last week. This week I'll review a little bit. So let me, let me read a couple of um, just passages to review. So this is John 14, 26. But the Helper, say Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now my name doesn't mean, hey, Jesus sent me. My name means in my power and in my authority. Jesus had already taught us that he has all authority. All authority has been given to him. So this spirit that I'm going to give you is in like authority. In other words, all authority. He has all the same authority that I do. Now we take that for granted and we're like, oh yeah, Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, the essence of God living within us, same authority. But they wouldn't have really known that because this was the mystery that had been prophesied for ages, Christ in you, the hope of glory. They they had been generations and generations in a relationship with God where God was in the heavens, where God was separate from them, distant from them, and would come down to receive their sacrifices and lift up. And He would rest special anointings on people, and He would come down and rest on someone and then lift the prophets, the fathers, you know, Abraham and, and, you know, the different prophets throughout the ages. But it was changing. God wanted to change the whole scenario for that spirit that would come and rest on people to receive sacrifice, to anoint them for an office, that spirit would now live within you. 
And I can imagine them shuddering a little bit, not really fully understanding because they had seen that spirit wipe out entire civilizations. They had seen that spirit kill people if you approach that spirit improperly. And that was what Jesus had to do was walk them through the process. And he said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All of, you know, you've heard it said this about God. You've read this about God. But I'm telling you, this is who God is, me. Look at me to have the clearest understanding of who God is. It's not that all that stuff didn't happen. A lot of it was covenantal interaction that God basically had to defend Israel. But now Jesus, say Jesus. We look to Him to understand who God is. And so Jesus is going, taking it another step. He already turned the religious, the religious structure on its ear by saying, He's my Father, which is one of the biggest reasons they wanted to kill Him. Now He's saying, and we're going to come together to live in you. It's, it's a big deal that we grasp this. We've heard it for 2,000 years. You know what I mean? We've heard it preached in that way, but it was they didn't quite understand. So, all right, let's keep going. The Helper, whom the Father will send in my authority, he will, bring, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. All right, so especially those of us that believe in the gifts, that believe the gifts are active for today, and believe that God is interacting with us and the Holy Spirit is actually doing what Jesus described that He would do, speaking to us, leading us, guiding us. How many of you want God to guide you? When you pray, isn't that one of the main things you're asking? God, help, show me the way. One of the ways that He shows you the way is testifying of Jesus. He will testify to you, no, I get it that this is your reality in life, whether it be your finances or your relationships or your health or your mental health or your purpose in life or your calling. That pretty much touches everything. Every single area that you're dealing with in life, God is speaking to you and testifying of what Jesus did in that specific area. He has addressed your relationships. He has addressed your finances. He has addressed your physical health, your mental health, your purpose. All of those have been addressed. So when you're praying and you're seeking to hear from God, you want to get God's mind of how He thinks about the specific area that you're thinking about, right? We all want to hear messages from God. We all want to hear God speak to us. I don't necessarily trust myself to always spiritually discern messages, I want it rooted and anchored in the Word. I want the Holy Spirit to remind me of what Jesus has done for me. I want the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you've got this diagnosis, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your physical body. I get it that you're struggling financially, but out of His riches, He will bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I get it that you want life to look like this, and it is a desire that you have, but you know what? You don't have to carry that heaviness. Allow His joy to set you free. Don't let this world define how you're going to feel about God. You know, so there all these things, the Holy Spirit will remind you. Now, then you have a choice to exercise faith or not. You have a choice to allow that to be manifested into your life or not. And this is where I think we get cessationists. In other words, people that don't believe in the gifts, that believed all that stuff stopped. Because faith has to be mixed. And faith is a response to what God has already done. So in other words, your faith doesn't make anything happen. Your faith doesn't make God do something. Your faith is an acknowledgement that He's already given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. Your faith holds on to when the Holy Spirit quickens the word to you about what Jesus paid for you. Your faith grabs a hold of it and says, yes, I don't get it. I don't understand it. That don't even feel remotely possible. But it, in you, all things are possible. The way that you know that you're thinking spiritually is God's promises seem possible. If you're looking at life and you say, well, I know God said this, but you know, I don't think He saw this coming. I'm special. I'm unique. My situation. That's carnal thinking, leads to death. Spiritual thinking says, yeah, this is going on in my life. I see that, even my own behavior, even my own desires. I have, I have 
zero hope that I can change. But what I do know is that the Spirit of God within me is powerful enough to deliver me from this thing that is even defining me in this moment. Some of you guys are making behavioral choices because you think that's who you are. You are not that behavior. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you believe that, you'll let the Spirit shape you so that the other aspects of your being, including your desires, will change. But it's up to you to commit. There's a couple of you I could point right at you and tell you exactly what's going on in your life, but, but you know what I'm talking about. It's time to commit. Just think about it for a minute. It's time to, are you actually committed to Jesus or not? Or are you still wanting to play games? Are you still wanting to allow what you want in this world to define who you really are? Or are you really wanting to allow that spirit to shape you? Because he will. It's not too hard for him. You're not the one case that he can't affect. Something's happening right here. Just let the Holy Spirit move. And so there's a, there's a consciousness awareness. And what it does, your consciousness bounces between here and here. Your consciousness bounces between your brain where you're rationalizing away the power of God to transform you, you got to bring it down here from your heart where you don't get it here, but you know here the Spirit of God can bring transformation and set you free in a way that you never even thought possible. But it is possible. Say it's possible. Thank you, Lord. 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 Let's keep going. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Allow the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus in your life. John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's that process where your faith has to enter in. The Holy Spirit is declaring to you what belongs to Jesus. You're a co-heir with Jesus. So everything Jesus has is also yours. What's really happening here is the Holy Spirit is declaring to you what's yours in Jesus. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who dare believe, believe. And that's that spiritual side of the commitment that you have to have at a heart level to grab a hold of that grace that is powerful, whether it be to experience fruit or walk in the gifts. You, gotta, you, ha you have to plug your faith into what the Spirit is doing in you. Well, how do you do that? Well... That's between you and the Holy Spirit to figure out. It just really is, you know? I think preachers do people a disservice thinking, thinking that we can explain everything. We can't. You can't. You can't explain that beautiful dance that you have with the Holy Spirit in your heart to use your faith. And, and the way, so, so what I will say this is you can, you can renew your mind. You can plant the seed. You can plant the Word of God so that your mind starts to come into agreement with what God says is true of you in spirit and the promises that He has for you. You, you, you plug your mind into it as well, and that's the spiritual battle. Reining your mind in so that you're in, in, in your intellect, you're at least aware of what He did and what the promises are so that they can then become possibilities for you, so that you can access that grace, that power flowing through you by faith. Faith being your response to what He's already doing. I mean, faith is like this. God is sending buses by all the time. Faith just steps on the bus and takes a ride with Him. He will glorify me. He will take up what is mine, declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, 
I said that he will take a mine and declare it to you. All right. So allow the written word to become the living word in your heart, i.e., read your Bible. Listen to the Bible. Something. Say something. Anybody, any Northerners? Can you say something yet, Lauren? Or is it still something? Something. There we go. <laughs> Pray for Ryan and Lauren. They're close, this close to closing. You're supposed to close. Didn't close. It's just the casualty of the market, but you're closing. Next Friday. Then they're going on their adventure. And, oh yeah, I got plenty of time. What's that? Yeah. Oh, you are? Uh-oh. You guys have an announcement to make? <laughs> so today, and, and you know, just, just, so just take a, take a deep breath for just a minute. Relax. I wanted to give you all that good information, the update about Kenya. I wanted to take the time to renew. This is the message for today. Y'all good? Everybody with me? Y'all in a hurry? You sure? It's good stuff. All right. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you know, usually when we hear that term, we think fruits of the Spirit, and there's a list. And that is true. There's a list of the fruits. But what I'm wanting to talk about is the overall picture of the fruit of the Spirit being born through you. Yes, there are character attributes from Galatians 5 that we're going to talk about. We're going to end on that, and that's part of your homework. But the overall picture is what God desires out of you is fruit. Why does God desire fruit out of you? All the way back to the very beginning when God called Abraham out of worshiping the devil, basically, in that camp that they were in and the world had gotten crazy again, God goes to Abraham, sends his messengers to Abraham, says, through you I will bless all the nations of the earth. Through you I desire a royal priesthood, a, a nation of priests he calls it. God makes a promise to Abraham that, that he would have so many descendants and that family would be a nation of priests that bless the entire earth, that bring the kingdom of God to the entire earth, or, or that at least show people what it's like to live in God's kingdom. Are you with me? That's why God picked Abraham. That's what Israel was. Israel was not necessarily unique and selected because of genetics and, and heritage as much as it was for whatever reason through Abraham. That was the family through which God wanted to reveal himself in the earth. Then we learn in Galatians 3 that that family is really defined not by genetics and DNA and a piece of land. It's defined by faith. So the children of God are not defined by DNA, they're defined by faith. Amen? Say, I'm a child of God because I believe in Jesus. That's the culmination. That is the nation of the... That is God's nation on this earth. I'm not trying to take away from Israel. What's going on over there? You just threw you right under the bus. <laughs> uh I'm, you know, because so, so when you start preaching this kind of stuff, people say, well, that's replacement theology, and watch out, because those who come against Israel, it's like, no, I'm talking spiritually, not physically. Pray, pray for Israel. Do whatever you feel like you need to do for Israel, the nation. There, there, there's a conversation there, but what I'm talking about is spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel are the believers in Christ. Amen? It's kind of like trying to understand Paul and James. Paul talks from a spiritual salvation perspective. James talks from kind of an external, let's look at your fruit perspective. And really, they're both saying the same thing, but one of them is looking at physical and one of them is looking at spiritual. That's a whole other kind of conversation to go into. I'm not trying to say that we should take anything away from all these ministries that are like pro-Israel and let's do all this. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. What I want to talk about is spiritual Israel. Are you with me? Everybody okay with that? I don't see any flags or rocks coming out. I mean, it's a, it's a subject that gets people, I'm telling you, maybe not in here, but in some places. So, so the fruit of the Spirit being birthed through you is, is 
God getting what he wants. In other words, a group of people, a family on this planet that he has placed his spirit into, that he is continuing to shape and he is leading. You know, it, it's kind of, kind of in your mind, get the imagination, the picture from heaven and God's perspective. And now that Christ is here, he actually can live through. It's like he's, he can breathe through his people. You know what I mean? It's like as God breathes, his life is breathed through his body his believers on this planet. As God breathes, it doesn't come as condemnation and law anymore. It comes as life through Christ, which is in the hearts of His people, which is being breathed out into this earth. It's like the breath of God is giving life to the entire planet through His body. And as we yield ourselves to Him, this is why you stay out of sin. This is why you manage your finances the way God says. This is why you honor God in the kind of relationship that He designed us to have. This is why you live according to His standards and statutes, not to try to get a right relationship with Him, but to keep yourself clear to be a vessel, a vessel that is not limiting what He wants to do in this earth. You keep yourself pure and clean before Him so that you allow Him to move through you to be a blessing to this earth. That's what it's all about. You don't want to dirty the vessel, not because you're worried that He's going to throw you out, but because you don't want to limit what God is trying to do in the earth. He's going to do what He's going to do, but if you keep messing around with sin, it might slow down your area that He wants to affect. Are you with me? That's what we're talking about. Fruit as the body of Christ collectively to be a blessing to the entire earth. And part of that fruit is you experiencing radical transformation and walking in the power of that spirit within you. We're going to get into that stuff in the next couple of weeks. So bearing the fruit of the spirit is the expression of your sonship in Christ. Your identity in Christ is manifested as you yield to him to allow the spirit to bear fruit through you. Are you with me? And it, and it all goes back to, you know, what God originally wanted to do with this new covenant. This is Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. That's what his spirit in you is doing. Not the external laws that are written in stone, but the best way to live on this planet. So I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Now, this is a promise directly to the heritage of Israel to go into the land and take that promised land but it's for us also because, and I don't have time to go through it today, but in all the other areas, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, when he prophesies about the new spirit and the new heart, it's directly tied to the new covenant, which is not Israel back then being delivered into the promised land. It's the promise of the spiritual promised land, which is life in Christ. Are you with me? So all of this is associated, yes, to Israel, but then spiritual Israel, it's the new covenant for us, life in Him. And so statutes and laws are God's prescriptions on how to live. That's what it means. If you look up statutes in Hebrew, it means prescriptions. It is ordinances, it is laws, it is rules, but they're prescriptions. So they're not rules in the sense of you have to do this so that I will accept you now, and if you don't do it, you die because you can't live within me. That's what it used to be. Now, because you have the life of Christ living within you in right relationship with the Father, those statutes are prescriptions in how to live. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to live. The Holy Spirit will teach you, and grace, His influence in your heart, will teach you holiness to live godly. You know, this, this message sometimes gets a bad rap as if it's soft on sin. I'm like, you know, you're not listening very well. There's actually more responsibility in this message than any other one, really. Because not only are you expected to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but you have an obligation to do so because you've already been recreated into that image. It's actually natural for you to hear and follow and obey God. 
natural because he's changed your nature. Colossians 2.9, he removed that root of the body of the flesh out of you. That, that nature was opposed to God and prone to sin. That's what he cut out and he put in his spirit. Do you think God putting his spirit in you is going to cause you to desire sin? No. So what we're talking about is the adoption process of becoming God's children, and he's redeeming a family to bless all the nations of the earth. So he put his spirit in us to shape us so we can be vessels he works through to bless all nations. Now, that kind of encapsulates everything, and I'm, I'm going to I've got kind of a, a bigger section of John 15 to read, and then a little bit in Galatians 5, and then your homework. All right, so this is Jesus. There, and there's, there's, there's some very important things to make sure that you get in this section of, of Scripture right here that has been twisted and misused, but if you just think about it a little bit, you actually do, do a little bit of study in the original language, uh, you see what he's saying and what he's not saying. A lot of people, when they teach John 15, about us being the branches and Jesus being the vine, teach it and they say, if you don't bear fruit, he'll throw you out. You ever, have you ever heard that? That if you're not bearing fruit, he'll cast you away? So here we go. That's wrong. Doesn't even say that. This is what it actually says. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Guess what? Take Does anybody have a physical Bible with you in your hand? Everybody's got digital Bible. Do you, do you have margins in, in John 15, 2 by takes away? Is there a footnote in your, your Bible? And what does it say? What is the letter associated next to takes away? What does it say down at the bottom? I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you all to go check your Bibles, and you'll be shocked what it actually says. We'll come back to you. What does it say? Yeah, cleans. Does that sound like take away? Lifts up. Exactly. Now, because I, I didn't want you all to think I was making this up. Cleans, lifts up. I think cleans is for prunes, which is a little bit further down. But this particular phrase right here, takes away, is the phrase lifts up. Any gardener that has a vine with connected to whatever crop you're dealing with, when you see a sagging branch, if it's not dead, what do you do? You prop it up. You lift it up. This is not saying that if you don't bear fruit, God's going to rip you off and throw you into the fire. It says He lifts up. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So why does it say takes away? Because the word that was translated has that meaning within it, but for them, we miss it in the translation from Greek to English, and because of the mindset of the translators, it got translated into takes away. Now, is the Bible flawed? No. It wasn't written in English. It means what it means in Greek. Are, are you with me? There are stuff that doesn't get translated properly in English. You okay with that? I know the King James only people are, you know, false prophet, but I mean, you know. I'm talking to keyboard warriors. They show up on YouTube. So I'm taking time to, I'm going slow on this part because it's actually very important so that we remove the fear. Because how many of you feel like you're not bearing as much fruit as you could? Let's all raise our hands. Honestly. Now, because if you read it from the Western legalistic perspective, you're at risk of being thrown away. But that's not the case. If you're not bearing fruit, in other words, if you are not living the way that you know that the Holy Spirit can shape you to live, He will come alongside you and lift you up. Remember, the Holy Spirit will mimic the character that Jesus described about Him, which is the comforter, the helper, the one called alongside to help, 
And it, he says he's not even judging. God reserves the right to judge. He's not even judging. He's, he comes along to lift up. So, all right. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, how does he prune? Does he take your job away? Does he take your husband away? Does he give your grandmother cancer? Does he make your dog run away? No. God does pruning inwardly with His Word and with His Spirit. That's how God prunes. God is not using shears by creating external circumstances in your life. Now, He might lead you into a situation where then He can do some work internally, but it's, not, it's still going to be consistent with what Jesus paid for. By His stripes you are healed. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy. Part of the atonement is that you are delivered from the curse of the law, sickness being part of that curse. God is not going to cause sickness to come into your life as a way of pruning. It is not a legal method because Jesus already paid for that in the atonement. He prunes inwardly. Hey, that coffee that you're drinking... Dial it back. That stuff that you're watching on the internet, come on, be honest. That thought that you have that you're entertaining, that you keep sliding over there into, come on, you know better than that. You're my child. Yield to me. Allow my spirit to strengthen you. When you have the opportunity for sin, realize there's more grace available. Exercise the grace. Just stop, pause, yield to the grace. Use your faith to grab a hold of that power from God instead of going ahead and tre treading on into your natural or your carnal desire. Are you with me? This is how he's pruning. He's pruning you by saying, no, this is, he's testifying of Jesus. In other words, the finished work in you, you are the righteous, you are righteous, you are my child, you're my son. You are set apart. This is not, sin does not dwell within you. That's, that's what it looks like. And you're like, no, nah, but I like my sin. I'm just going to not listen. And well, God doesn't talk to me anymore. <clears throat> you are already clean. Say, I'm clean. I mean, you know, these things that he says are monumental. You are already clean. We're not talking about whether or not you get into sin that determines if he's going to throw you away or not. Are you with me? Most of the church is preaching this passage from the perspective, if you don't bear fruit, watch out, which then translates to if you keep sinning, Get ready. You might, there might one sin too many happen. Now, am I saying you should sin? No. Should you continue in sin because of this freedom that you have in Christ? No. no. We're talking about spiritual truth and your righteousness in Him bearing fruit through you. And if you don't see it, yeah, there might be some sin stuff you got to deal with. First John, beloved, don't sin. But if you do, remember you have an advocate with the Father. That is not allowance for sin. It's talking about two different things, the carnality of your flesh and how you're operating in this world, but who you are in spirit. I want to talk to who you are in spirit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. Now, so here's the issue. So bearing fruit is one thing. He's not going to throw you away if you're not bearing fruit, but you're running the risk if you're not abiding in Him. So what does that mean, abiding in Him? Now, let me read this and then I'll explain it. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. See, here's the thing. He desires fruit, but why would He throw a branch away because it's not bearing fruit if the only way that you can bear fruit is if you're in Him? I mean, so abide in me is different from bearing fruit. You can only bear fruit by abiding in Him. 
Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, there was a big problem in the early church, and that is because of the persecution, a lot of Jewish believers were leaving the faith of Christ and going back to the law. It's what Paul warns about, or whoever wrote Hebrews, probably Paul, when he gets into later into Hebrews and he starts talking about continuing sin. Don't, don't draw back. Don't continue in sin and draw back. The sin that you're continuing in that he's warning about is leaving the faith. If you, you read the entire book of Hebrews, there's no behavior associated with the sin that he's describing. The sin that he's describing is walking away from the faith and going back down to the temple to offer bulls and goats as your righteousness. That is a slap in the face of Jesus. So the warning is, don't leave the faith and go back under the law. Paul, Peter, all the apostles were addressing this. And even Paul, when he challenged Peter in Galatians, Paul is challenging Peter. He's like, look, you're saying one thing, but when the Jews show up, you go and you live a different way, you hypocrite. Paul called Peter a hypocrite to his face in front of the elites. And he said, are you serious? You're going gonna to go back underneath the law? You're going to give up faith in Christ and go back under the law to please these people? This is what we're talking about here. And so I'm going to give you a, a glimpse. Your homework is to go through Galatians. I know we've been kind of working through John. I'm not going to focus on that so much this week, but we're going to jump over into Galatians and we're going to have a conversation about it in our Facebook group. But what he's talking about is God is reshaping his body in this earth. He's creating a body. He's creating that family that he promised through Abraham. And that family is to go into the world and be a blessing to all nations. And you can't be that family if you're going to leave the faith of Christ and go back underneath the law. If you're going to give up Christ and go back to the blood of goats and bulls. Now, I don't see any of you guys saying, where's my bull? I'd rather have that than Jesus. But that literally was happening back then. Because of the persecution, they were giving up faith in Christ and going back underneath the law. If you read honestly Paul's letters over and over and over, that's what he's warning. He's warning, don't listen to... Even in Galatians, he talks about these people that are planted secretly in the church to draw people back to circumcision to pull them away from Christianity. There's like this organized conspiracy in the early church to go in and subvert these churches to draw people back into Judaism. It, it just says it right there. You're going to see that as you read Galatians. So we're going to continue in John, John 15. Then he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is getting ahead of the issue. Stay in me. It's even addressed in Colossians. Continue in the faith. Don't go back. Don't go back to the law. Stay in Jesus. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. So are you cast out for not bearing fruit or because you're not abiding in him? It's because you're not abiding in him. So can you lose your salvation? Uh, not from sin. But if you choose to say, I don't want Jesus anymore, maybe there seems to be a warning for that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. What a promise. What a promise. Now, all of us have had plenty of opportunities to get offended at that passage right there. That, that's what we need to watch out, is that we don't get offended at the word. Because you, you might read that and you say, well, I prayed and I didn't get what I wanted. Watch out. Watch out. I'll just leave that where it sits. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Say fruit. So you'll be my disciples. We're talking about fruit. It's what He wants. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, so keep my commandments, and then he's going to tell you what his commandment is. You will abide in my love. So how do you keep God's commandments? You walk in love. Love is a great teacher. It keeps you from offending other people. It keeps you from offending 
the, what the Holy Spirit has done in you and keeps you on a path. Love for, your, for God, for yourself, and for people. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. Interesting, he starts talking about joy and fruit here. Paul reshapes it again. A lot of times we think that Paul taught all new stuff that Jesus didn't address, but he didn't. He really just expounded on a lot of the things that Jesus said. So this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Earlier he said, keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, what is that? Love one another. We're going to talk about love when we talk about the gifts. Greater love has no, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I mean, that sounds kind of controlling, but what did he command you to do? Love people. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. Say, I'm a friend of God. For all things that I heard from my Father, I made known to you. I know it's a lot, but you know. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Fruit. Still talking about fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. That these things I command you, that you love one another. So he's repeating himself. It's important if he repeats himself. He says the same thing over and over again. Paul then takes and expounds on it later. So, Galatians 6, Paul comes down to this idea of the law of Christ is love. Now, how many of you want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit? How many of you want to walk in the power of the Spirit? It starts with walking in the fruits of the Spirit. See, because there are so many people that tread on out there into operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They see the power working through their lives they aren't really displaying character and integrity in some areas of their life, but yet they're still seeing miracles and they're still operating in the power and it's all still working through them. And because of their theology, they think, well, I'm okay because God's still moving through me. So this little side piece over here is not a big deal. Affair, adultery, in case you don't know what that means. There are healing evangelists that saw great miracles and signs and wonders and salvations in their meetings that afterwards stepped down from the pulpit, went and got drunk, slept with their nanny, and the next day went on up there and saw incredible miracles the next day too. Does God approve of that behavior? Now what's happening? Those people are experiencing and receiving the expectation they have toward God. It doesn't even have anything to do with that person standing up on that stage other than they're facilitating the opportunity for people to come in and encounter God. There is no special anointing. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. That's not what we're talking about today. To, to go properly into the gifts, we want to make sure we're walking in character and integrity. We want to make sure that we're committed to displaying the fruits of the Spirit. We want to make sure that we are committed to living a lifestyle, a repentant lifestyle where we're continually trans, you know, yielding and, and changing our minds of how we think about ourselves in life, that we're continually allowing God to shape us. That's another phrase that Paul uses in Galatians 6, that until Christ is formed in you. That's what I want. That's what I've been thinking about ever since I studied this out. I want Christ formed in me. So I want to commit to allowing the Holy Spirit to shape me into these character attributes because it's all about walking in love. And part of displaying the fruits of the... You know, what if, what if the body of Christ quit condemning the world over behaviors and started loving people where they were, not accepting the behavior, not minimizing or going soft on sin, but approaching them like Jesus approached the woman caught in adultery. Approaching the woman at the well that had had seven husbands 
You know, approaching Peter who denied him to his face practically. What if we dealt with the world like Jesus dealt with the world? I mean, there's one thing he did toward the religious, and then there's how he treated the world. Sinners. What if the church did that? If we learn to actually walk in love and display the fruit of the Spirit, and this is how we extend love toward, well, we, but we got to tell them the truth. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I hear you. We can't compromise the Word, brother. Got to preach the whole counsel of the Word, brother. Okay. I, oh, man. All right. This is the last section here. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. I know this is a favorite of Mike's. And, and it very much touches your calling into that cesspool of politics, <laughs> which has no personal reflection on you. You're a brave man, and we love you and support you. Whatever's stirring, you know, it's like something's stirring here. I don't... Y'all pray for Mike because, uh, you know, the country needs <laughs> Mike and Tracy. You are one. You're one, Larry. I'm just so spiritually minded. I see, you know. Freedom. Say freedom. Why did God set you free? So that you'd be free. Enjoy it. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. And when he moves on you, Commit and be serious about it. It's for freedom. Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. That is a description of what was happening to when the Judaizers, Pharisees would come in and plant themselves secretly in these churches to draw people away from faith in Christ. That was a tactic of the enemy back then. It's what he's talking about. Stand firm. Don't go back to the bondage of slavery. Don't go back to the law. Is the law evil or bad? No. But it, all it can do is highlight your sin, and then you're a slave to that sin again. But under Christ, you are free. You are a slave to righteousness under Him. So don't go back to performance-minded Christianity. Don't forsake the righteousness of Christ to go and try and... All right, let's keep going. Verse 2, look. I like, look, look, look. Say look. look. I, Paul, tell you that if you... Uh, let's see. I, Paul, tell you that if you have yourselves circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Which again, he's addressing people coming in, stealing people back out of Christianity, back to uh, the law. And I testify again to every man who has himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Uh, so it's not the act of circumcision that he's addressing as much as it is the heart behind why they were leaving the faith and going back to ritual. They were, they were going to go back to depending on the blood of goats and bulls rather than the blood of Christ. We hear that and we think that's weird, but it was very much their reality. And he had to warn them against that. Uh, so you've been severed from Christ. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus' warning was, abide in me. Or the branches that don't continue to abide in me, they'll be gathered up and cast into the fire. Those that he's warning here, don't go back to the ritual of circumcision and the blood of goats and bulls because you'll be severed from Christ. Not because God says, oh, you're doing something wrong, but you have lost You've left depending on Jesus as your righteousness, and you've begun to depend on goats and bulls again. Again, we hear that and we think that's weird, but that is exactly what was happening. They were going back to it, and they were leaving the faith, drawing back, which is the warning in Hebrews. So you've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Here... The definition of falling from grace is not that you sinned, but that you're self-righteous. Hello. It's the same warning in, in Galatians 2.20. He says the same thing. He's building upon it. So let's keep going. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, purity, 
indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, which is manipulation. You know, that's not necessarily sitting around with runes and consulting someone who's got an eyeball on the table or anything like that. It's, it's, it's manipulation. There's a lot of witchcraft in our marriages these days. The, the subtle manipulation that we try to... All right, so hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and, and things like these. I mean, that used to sound like a good Friday night back in the day, but... And these things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarn... So, so he's, he's, it's like he's, he's saying, I'm after fruit, but if you're seeing these things in your life, watch out. Watch out. Pay attention to what's going on. You're, you're, you're yielding to the desire of the flesh when you can just as easily yield to the desire of the Spirit. Uh, and, and again, I'm not, you know, we'll kind of unpack Galatians maybe this week in our discussion. But so I forewarned, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let's read these together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now here's your homework. Memorize those. Memorize them because it's kind of like those are the tools that you're going to need to allow God to shape you. And if you even just hold it within your mind, this list of the fruits of the Spirit, and the next time you're in an opportunity to display the lust of the flesh or the fruits of the flesh, this list will come up into your mind and you're giving them that written word an opportunity to become the living word. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will testify of Jesus as this being your true nature. These character attributes will rise up within you especially if you find yourself in a position when you start displaying the power, the gifts of the Spirit, and you have an opportunity to display the fruit of the flesh. Have this in your heart. You're going to need this in your heart. You're going to need this Word in your heart. Put the Word in your heart before you need it so it's there to bear fruit when you do need it. Because you're going to have plenty of opportunity to display all of that stuff, all of those lists, all of those things. I mean, just jealousy, selfish ambition, envy, hostilities. Anybody felt hostile lately? It may, I get, it's super practical, but it should be easy. Following G, he said, follow me. Yeah, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not trying to make it difficult. When we get down to the end of it, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's pretty simple. That's not some big, deep, big thing. Well, it shouldn't be. The mystery is, how do you yield your heart to Him to allow that stuff to be shaped within you? Because you're going to need it. From the moment your feet hit the bed, the floor. Are you with me? All right, let's read it again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, yield to the Spirit to form Christ in you. I'm not going to go through and teach on each fruit, but I want you to memorize it. This week, whatever, however you memorize things, take the time to memorize that passage. It's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Memorize them. Be able to say them. Don't ever go into another conversation again where you can't. There's nine of them. Put them on a finger. Whatever it takes for you. Have a word associated with each one. Spell out the, a word with the first letters of the ones. Why don't, you know, what, what, whatever it takes for you. I, it's repetition for me. I like to just repeat things. You know what I mean? Uh, put note cards. Put them on a card where you, they're on your mirror and you see them every morning. This might be like kids' church type stuff, but I'm telling you, it's valuable that you have the Word of God within you because what He's going to do is 
you're going to be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know. But then it's like, oh, wait, no, self-control. Yes, I can exercise self-control. Holy Spirit, I need self-control. Grace comes alive within you. You exercise self-control. Because you've taken the time to plant that word in there, and it will bear fruit when you need it. It just will. Amen? I think my wife is texting me to quit preaching. <laughs> the fruits of the Spirit. Travis, you're texting me too. I'm preaching too long. Oh, that was an hour ago. <laughs> Yield to the Holy Spirit to form Christ in you. But you got to know what He's trying to form in you. So know the list. Okay? And it's not that knowing the list is magic. But what it's doing is it's putting the ingredients in there that the Holy Spirit has something to work with because we want Christ formed within us. We want to be on display, to be used by the Father, to be a blessing to the nations of the world, which is when we start talking about flowing in the power and the gifts of the Spirit, why? Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to flow in those things? For us or so that we're a blessing to others? the family of God and unbelievers. Everybody that Jesus healed was not born again. And it's not that, okay, we need to make sure we get these in place so we can do the, the big things. Now, this, this is as important as anything else. You allowing Christ to be formed in you and displaying the character and integrity of the kingdom to represent Him well. Somebody that is patient and secure in themselves, somebody that is loving and kind, you're not going to lead with condemnation toward people trapped in sin. You're going to look at those people and you're going to realize, man, I, I, yeah, I was there. I, I'm not going to, I don't need to get, I don't need to get defensive. I, I'm secure in who I am in Christ. I have a strength of character within me. Your sin doesn't bother me. I'm not afraid of you because of your sin. I, your sin doesn't make me question the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that if you would just yield yourself to Him, you would experience radical transformation. And let me just love on you a little bit to hopefully maybe help you have the opportunity where you'll yield to Him also. That's the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to preach the good news to people for fear of what the religious knuckleheads might say and label us because I know the power is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. This is the good news of Jesus. You are free to be free. Now yield to Him to shape Himself within you. Amen? That's what I want. Let's stand up and just keep your focus on Him. Father, we thank You. We love You and we trust You. We thank You that we are secure in You and we will not draw back. We will abide in You. Our faith remains firm, anchored in Your finished work for our salvation. We thank you that your spirit is continually leading and guiding us and we are committed to you. Now, just in your own heart, just a second here, commit to displaying the fruits of the spirit. Commit to walking in, in character and integrity. Commit to allowing the Holy Spirit to shape holiness within you so that you live within that that you've already been given. You might even already feel that desire thinking, well, I can't do it. Well, you're thinking naturally. You're thinking carnally. You can do it because Christ can do it. Holy Spirit, we yield our hearts to you. You help us wage that warfare in our minds to settle in the truth of the Word of God, and that is all things are possible through you. And your Spirit is actively seeking to form Christ in me now. Do you agree with that? Just lift your hand if you agree with that. Yes, Lord, I yield to your Spirit. Form Christ in me. We speak life and health over every person in this place, Father. I thank you that our finances are touched. We are children of, children of your kingdom. No lack, but abundant blessing to be a blessing in this earth. Father, I thank you for generosity being cultivated within our hearts generosity being cultivated within our hearts as a body so we can continue to bless the people of Mount Paca and Pastor George and the CMA and all these other things that we do, Father, all of these things that we get to do as a body, as a congregation. We put out all these resources, Father. We just thank you for the opportunity to do that. Cultivate within us a generous heart so that we give out of generosity. 
We don't give out of obligation. We don't give out of fear of judgment and condemnation, but we give because we want to participate in the increase of the kingdom. And we do. We sow into this ministry that you've placed in our hands, Father. We thank you for that opportunity. You know, there may be people in the room or even watching online, you don't know Jesus. It's very simple. You just decide to trust that what he did was for you. Just decide to trust that what he did was for you. And if it's the first time that you've ever made that decision, back there where Donna is, wave, wave the basket up in the air. We have a gift for you if that's a decision that you're making for the first time. But I feel like people watching online, somebody's watching this, go to our website, forward.church, down at the bottom, click on who is Jesus, and it will walk you through a description of what he did for you and what you can have in him. Father, I thank you for the online audience. They are incredible people. Father, thank you that what you're doing with that ministry, and we just, we just give it to you. We just give it to you to trust that you are getting it to the hearts of people that need to hear about your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.